Hey guys, welcome to Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I am your host, Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Kegley. John, what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, today's going to be a good episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about some film news, you know, some trailers that have been circulating on the internet for the, the last couple of days. Then we're going to go into our in-depth review of Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then probably talk about our top five Tarantino movies. But that's a little bit later. So for now, film news. John Keg. Well, to start us off with the news, I sound like a radio show host. <laughs> um, we have uh, It Chapter 2, which we talked about in our last episode, for those of you that listened. Um, it's been confirmed by the director of the movie that the runtime of the movie will be 2 hours and 45 minutes. So this is you know avengers end game long yeah that, for <laughs> for a horror movie to be that long that's yeah that's if insane. you're not it's a horror impressive. like you gotta really you really need to buckle down and you know like you gotta think about if you actually want to go watch this movie <laughs> for three hours bro that's um really really impressive yeah and then also he uh the director also stated that they're going to be releasing a director's cut of the movie um i don't know if the director's cut will be released in theaters or they'll just like release it on blu-ray or whatever yeah um but the director's cut is going to be four hours about four (laughs) hours long you know give or take so (laughs) it's like if you're a fan of of the books and all that stuff like you know hell yeah this is amazing but if you're not a fan of horror but you like the story like good luck (laughs) i know you're probably not like as excited for this because I know you didn't like it, but I love it. Like I've probably seen the It Two trailer probably no less than like twenty times. So it's like me when like a superhero trailer comes yeah, out. Yeah, like I'm I am one hundred percent in on this movie, and the fact that it's two hours and forty five minutes, like theatrical cut, I'd be really excited because there's a lot to dive into in the books, not just with Pennywise and it himself, but, you know, with the town of Derry, there's a lot of history with the town of Derry in the books, especially um, once Pennywise shows up. Yeah. And there's a lot to the relationships of the Losers Club that hasn't really been shown. And I'm hopeful that the two-hour and 45-minute theatrical runtime can kind of dive into that a little bit because I'm sure the four-hour one will. Well, everyone I speak to that has read the books, um, or bu- is it one book or it's one book? Books? It's one book. Okay, so yeah, people that I speak to that have read the book are they all always said that they 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 always said that that if it was um made into a live adaptation again, it sh- it would probably be best if they made it into a show because you can kind of dive more into like the lore behind everything and all mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but. I mean, I, I I could tell that a lot of people are satisfied that the sequel is going to be you know three hours long. Wait, didn't I say that last episode? You might have, but I, I I've had talked to multiple people. You about just this, don't listen so. to me. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I think with this two hour forty five minute runtime, I think the two it movies are actually longer than the miniseries from the nineties. If I'm remembering, oh really? Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't know if it's with the two hour, 45 minute runtime or with the four hour runtime, but I'm like 90% sure it's with a two hour, 45 minute one. It's like slightly sounds, longer. Yeah, it sounds exciting. Like if you're, you know, if you're a huge fan of horror, which like many, many, many people are, um, you know, you're a huge fan of these stories, these books or, the, you know, Stephen Hawking or um, not Stephen Hawking. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stephen King. Wow. <laughs> that is the most like 
I'm not even gonna go into it. Uh, Stephen King, if you're a fan of his uh, storytelling and his books, then you know this is this is it. Wait, you know I, what I mean, literally, this is it. <laughs> have you seen the original It miniseries? No, I haven't. I should watch it though. <laughs> I mean, I tried rewatching it. I saw it like a long, long time ago, but I tried watching it again like recently after these new ones, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to go back to. I don't know. I guess just it's a, like Pennywise I like how just Pennywise looks so ridiculous. Really. I think he looks like ridiculous. It. It's terrifying. Not as the terrifying as Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah, he's good, but for what it, for what it was at the time, I thought it was it was good quality, you know, makeup or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. I just find it. I don't know. I honestly, I really don't find it scary. Like, I think, frankly, Pennywise in the miniseries it looks ridiculous. Now, I recognize that, like back then when it came out, it was probably terrifying. But, like, I don't know, in this present day and age, it would be hard for me to imagine someone wa- going back and watching it after seeing the new It and well, getting I feel scared like that's by anything, it. though. Like, you go back and watch something that came out, you know, more than, like, 20 years ago, and it's just, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Like, you, Look at The Exorcist. Yeah, I, it depends, I guess, on what you're watching. Um, I'm just saying, like, just I, off the look of Pennywise himself, like, I just personally, myself, I don't know how other few people feel. So this... But just yeah, myself, I can't take it seriously. I'm looking at the, at the picture of him right now. I mean, he looks ridiculous. But like, I, like what we were saying, like I, for this mo- or this miniseries being released in 1990, like I think it's decent. I mean, I don't know. There's some pictures that that are hit or miss. Yeah. Okay. It looks a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's just. Depends, I, I see like yeah. a comparison photo. But I guess for yeah. I mean, going back to what I said, for being 1990 when this was released, you know. They did, they did a decent job for probably not even having that big of a budget either. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So um, that's it with our It news. We could talk about the Lighthouse trailer. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's probably going to be the best movie of all time. Yes. Um, It's a movie starring Robert Pattinson, our new Batman, and uh, Edward Cullen from Twilight. You know, <laughs> we have a lot of Twilight fans out there. And um and also Willem the Friend, aka AKA Willem Dafoe. Willem the Friend. Uh, Willem the Goat. Yeah, man. Willem the Goat. Give him an o- like give him his Oscar now. Give it to him. Is he is he now like one of the best actors to not win an Oscar? I know there's a we, there's a couple of good actors on that list, but he's on that list. He has to be. Mm, he. I would make the case that he's definitely up there. Joaquin Phoenix hasn't won one, right? Hmm, Joaquin Phoenix. Has Joaquin Phoenix ever won an Oscar? I, I think, think he, he has. has I think he has. Oh no, he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't. I mean, he, I feel like he'll he might win win one for Joker. Apparently, his performance for Joker is gonna be ridiculous. So, I mean, from what we've seen of Joker, and I'm just going by trailers here. From what we've seen of the Joker, and from what we've seen in the Lighthouse, I think you gotta give it to Defoe. Now, I'm only saying. Like I'm only comparing the two trailers. I'm not talking yeah, about we final product. I've ne- I haven't seen anything. the Joker. I haven't seen the Lighthouse, yeah. so I don't know how these performances are going to match up. You know, in an extended screen time. But strictly off of trailers, it, to me, it looks like Defoe is giving a better performance. I'm not saying Will Joaquin Phoenix is giving a bad is... one. I'm just saying this Willem, Willem Defoe has me incredibly excited. It, it just looks like a project that, and I'm not saying that Joaquin Phoenix wasn't passionate about um, 
about Joker. Like, I'm sure he was, you know, a thousand percent, like, dove into that character and all that. But this looks like a project, um, Lighthouse, that Willem Dafoe was, like, super passionate about. Like, you could just tell, like, off his acting, like, the energy that he gives off in the trailer. Like, as, as cliche as it sounds, like, it just, it, it just works, man. Like, it looks good. Like, it just... And this movie, like... What for those of you that haven't seen the trailer, the movie like the trailer is uh it's like set in black and white um like it, it lo- it's like filmed like an old style movie like it literally looks like the movie was filmed in like the 1930s. Right. This is where I come and, in now, baby. Um, this is where I come in and, now. Wait, sorry to interject. Continue, continue. No, I mean I was gonna I was gonna finish off and say like I think the movie takes place in like, the late 1800s or early yeah. 1900s. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much like that. I mean, you can go ahead and dive in though so to add on i just wanted to add on before you drifted away from the fact that you said this movie looks kind of old-timey um according to reddit and they got that from imdb the reason this movie looks so old-timey and how it looks like it was filmed like in the early 1900s is because this movie was filmed on a 35 millimeter black and white uh double x 522 film stock uh, with lenses designed in the 1930s, mm. so to enhance the image, it enhances the image, making it look like uh, early photography. So it looks like something that was filmed in the early 19th century. So they're literally using things that were, like, equipment that was either made or fit to look like it was made in the 1930s. Um, also, the film—you'll notice that the movie looks a little boxy. If that makes sense, like the aspect yeah, ratio. Yeah, I looks, did notice that. Okay, that's intentional because according to um, Robert Eggers, who's the director of of the movie The Lighthouse, he chose this format because he wants this movie to feel confined. He says the spaces in this movie are meant to feel confined, Ooh, and it feels. I like that. Yeah, and he wants to put you into these spaces with Pattinson and Defoe to make you feel like. Like, you know, you're trapped in this lighthouse. With but yeah, them. like you're stuck in. The, OK, that's actually genius. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever saw The Witch, but um, when The Witch came out, I think it was in 2016 or 2015. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, It was Robert Eggers, you know, first, you know, first movie, first theatrical release with A24. And I saw it on a whim. I was actually going to watch Zoolander 2 that day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was going to watch Zoolander 2 with my girlfriend and then I, like i saw the poster for the witch and i was like you know what why don't we watch this instead and oh my god i'm so 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 glad that we changed our minds because if i'm being honest i would say the witch is probably in my top favorite movies of all time i know a lot of people are going to disagree with me or are going to be a little surprised that i said that because it's definitely not a movie for everyone um it's a very slow um very atmospheric kind of horror movie well the the movie has a night i mean that's like, like you know we don't base our our opinions on rotten tomatoes or anything but the movie has a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes yes so but it's not a lot of people probably agree with you it's yes but remember rotten tomatoes is is critics not general audience i'm saying general audience i've seen this movie with a lot of our friends and i've recommended it to family members and not a single one liked the movie wow you know now that I'm reading, it says post track, which is a uh, 
like a U.S. based service survey company or whatever. They uh, reported that film goers gave it a 55% overall positive score and a 41% definite recommend. So okay, I kind of get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, like now. it's very, it's not, it's not. If you're going into it like expecting something like The Conjuring or like Insidious, like what most people probably went into thinking, you're gonna the big, hate the big the, time, you're the big time, yeah, scary you're movies. gonna hate it. But if you like things that are atmospheric, um, things that really get into your head. Um, I think The Witch, honestly, is one of the best horror movies of the past several years. I'll go I'm as far to say that. I never saw it, but I'll, I'll for sure have to check I it out. I would say I would say it's up there with Hereditary for me. I'd say it's Hereditary and then The Witch, but yeah. it's very very close. Yeah, I mean, so like going back to what you were saying about the way it's filmed, like I, I love when filmmakers and directors are allowed to you know make their own movie like they're not getting any um studio interference any, yeah exactly studio interference and this guy like you know people are gonna look at the trailer and be like okay it's black and white i don't want to watch that oh the aspect ratio is off i mean they, some people don't even know what aspect ratio is but they might notice that the, the movie doesn't look as um you know hd or whatever as it should mm -hmm. and they're probably like yeah no i'm not interested in this but if you're actually like a fan of horror movies or of just good storytelling in general, like this is probably one of the best movies yeah. that's probably gonna come out of the year. Yeah, and we still, we still don't even know what it's about. <laughs> like as far as yeah, I we know, don't even know what it's about. Like that's what's crazy. as far as I know from the trailers and and the poster that was released. It's two guys trapped on a rock in a lighthouse, and there's mermaids involved somehow. I don't know what the yeah, mermaids are. Yeah, I, I guess it's like creatures or something. I mean, I I've seen people because they uh. They released the movie at um, one of the film festivals, and um, there's people that have seen the movie already, and they're like, "Bro, yeah, it's fantastic! Like, it's probably the best movie of the year." I've heard, just, I've seen several so people, I've seen several people call this movie the best movie of the year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited for this movie. And can we talk about Robert Pattinson for a second? Yeah, let's talk about him. Cut. My God, what a run for him. What a, he's had such a weird career. Like he started off as I love his career trajectory as, though. Yeah, I do too. Like he started off as as um well first of all, I feel I think he started off on Harry Potter. Um that was, I think it was if not his first movie, it was one of his first movies. Um one of his like his big roles at least. Yeah, and I, I, I was uh I mean for those of you that don't know, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Uh I like the books, I like the movies. Um, he was Cedric Diggory. So I thought yeah, he played Cedric Diggory. I thought he did a good job at, with Cedric. So um, when I heard that he got casted for Twilight, uh, I had actually read the first t the first two Twilight books when I was in middle school, I think. So this is before the movies released. Nice. I, and um, yeah, I know people are probably like, "What the hell?" But <laughs> just just wait. Let me just to give myself some just back myself up we had a lot of reading to do in middle school we had to take tests on books that we read and i just chose those books so don't no one tweet me and hate on me please um but i i read those two books and i was like damn like that's gonna be a good actor you know what i mean obviously like, i'm a kid at this at this age i don't really know too much about it about acting and film and all that stuff but i was excited for him and then when twilight came out i was like this is so garbage and um but bro that that guy he has been on a run dude like I think his first like decent movie would probably be like Remember Me, which I I I'm a fan of that movie. I don't know if you saw that one. No. It was like a it was kind of like a love like coming of age movie. Um, 
It was with him and uh, I forget the actress's name, dude. Um, it's it's like a sad story. Like the, the movie and uh, the movie actually takes place like the the end of the movie. I think he's like in the World Trade Center when nine eleven happens. That's like how the movie ends. Like spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen the movie that came out ten years ago. Um, <gasps> oh, it's that one. Yeah, I think that was like his first like movie oh, where he kind of just. Yes, I know which one you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, like you don't yeah, know yeah. it's was... it's about 9/11 and then like Dude, at the no, very very the end. The only thing, the only thing that they like, they, it's not even a hint, man. It's like the beginning of the movie just says like you know, um, October 2000. You're like you know what I mean. You're, so you're just like, <laughs> all right, this movie takes place in yes. 2000. You know what I mean? I remember, I, I remember movie, actually hating that movie. I liked it. I, I actually enjoyed it. Wow, but, I mean, yes. I haven't seen that movie since. Like, I think I saw it in theaters when it first released in 2010. Jeez. So it's been a while. But I mean, like I said, he's he's gone on to do some great stuff, like Water for Elephants. Um, let me see. I would gonna... say his like run that he's currently on right now started in 2016. Because look, look what you have. You have the Lost City of Z. I don't know if you've seen that. Now, he was yeah, he was good in that. Okay, he was good in that. And that's in 2016. And then in 2017, you have Good Time. Have you seen Good Time? Good. Okay, bro. Good Time is one of my favorite movies ever. That movie is like, so so good. So good. So, so then I I try to get people to watch that movie. And like I I forgot who I showed that movie to, and they were like, dude, like I just couldn't get into it. It's like filmed weird. I'm like, what do you mean it's filmed weird? Like it's a normal movie. It's yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. So then you have um High Life, which came out late last year, which yeah. I have not seen, but I have heard good things about. And then you have the lighthouse this year, and then you have the Batman, obviously. I I hear that High Life. I haven't seen it either, but I I've heard mixed reviews about the movie. But I heard that his performance was like spectacular. I think he's done a great job, and this the same thing goes for Daniel Radcliffe. Um, they've both Daniel Radcliffe's a good actor. Yeah, they've both done a great job of taking these. I don't want to say weird roles because that's not the right word. They've they've both done a great job of like you know subverting expectations like when it comes yeah. to the roles that they choose to kind of shed um the light of them being Harry Potter and Edward Cullen like they don't want to just be confined to those names I think they've well, done a great like, job I feel like too I mean it's it, it kind of goes to like anything but like you know they both made their money you know what I mean like they both you know you know, we had Daniel Radcliffe that played Harry Potter. We had um, Robert Pattinson that played Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter and then played the main character in the Twilight series. Like, these guys made a lot of money doing those movies. So, you know, they did what they had to do, and now they're looking at their career like, you know what, now I'm going to stick to projects that I'm passionate about, something that I really want to do. Like, there's a lot of actors nowadays that just sign on to movies because of a paycheck. I mean, that's just – let's be real. That's how it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, these guys, these two, like, they don't really be seem to, they don't, I don't think they're doing that. Like, they're just signing on to movies that they're, like, you know. That they're interested actually, in, yeah. Like, they like yeah, the premise like, of. And, and the whole Batman thing, too. Like, yeah, he's going to make his money on Batman. But, like, bro, who does not want to play Batman? Yeah, like, and I think he's an amazing like, pick for Batman. He, yeah, like, he probably grew up watching Batman cartoons or, or, or reading Batman comic books. So, he was probably, like, as soon as he found out that they were ca- casting a young Batman, he was probably, like, on board as hell. Like, you know. That's a great casting too, by the way. We don't have to dive into Batman right now, but yeah, that's I I, love I, I, I I love that casting. I love it. Okay, so I think that's all I have to say for the lighthouse. And yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. Okay, we can. Uh, I want to talk about. We can dive in. Oh yeah. Do you want to go or do do I say it? You say it because you're the one more excited than I am. Okay, I want to talk about the Irishman. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay. Well, hold on. For people that like don't know what the Irishman is, it's a new movie that's coming out. Trailer just released yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. If you guys don't know who Martin Scorsese is, that's listening to this. He's one of the best directors ever. Um, and all I'm gonna say is that I, I don't even need to tell you what the movie's about because I can literally just tell you who's in the movie and you'll know what it's about. You have Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and uh, Joe Pesci. Like Pesci, or Pesci. My bad. And um, why do you keep 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 skipping Harvey Keitel? Okay, him too, bro. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm reading. I'm reading the cast list, and he's like way down there. Yeah, I don't know why. So I have to like, I have to like scroll hard to find him. Um, but yeah, the, the, just by that cast alone, you already know what you're getting into with this. All I need to watch this movie is four names. Not even. All I need is one name, actually, Scorsese. But De Niro, Pesci, Pacino. All together in a Scorsese gangster film. I think his first gangster film since The Departed in 2006. That was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, that was 13 years ago. Was it 2006 or 2005? I mean... It was one of those years, but damn. I mean, I am so... I was in on this the moment that it was announced. I thought it was going to get canceled. Yeah, I, this movie was in development for years. Yeah, this movie's it? been in development for a very, very long time. Um, This is a... I know Scorsese has said that this is a passion project for him. So I know he's really taking this seriously. Um, so I was sad to see it get dropped. I think it got dropped a few years ago um, by a production company. I don't remember which production company it was. And correct me if I'm wrong when you're listening to this. But then it was picked up by Netflix, which I had mixed feelings about because I don't think Netflix produces good movies with the exception of... I guess Ogja, which I wasn't crazy about, and Beasts of No Nation. But I've come to the realization that when Martin Scorsese is making a movie, you don't fuck with what he's doing. Like you just no, let no. you just let Scorsese do his thing, especially when you have names like De Niro and Pesci, who just came out of retirement for this movie, um, and De- and Pacino. You don't get in Scorsese. Wait, Robert Robert De Niro is retired. Joe Pesci is retired. Um, Scorsese had to basically like beg him. To come out of retirement for this movie. Damn, that's so badass that he did yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. So, I mean, I'm super in on this. The premise looks amazing. Um, I have found myself, like, repeating in my head the, so I heard you paint houses. Because I just think that line yeah. is so badass. You know what that means, right? No, I don't. Um, basically, like, that's a term uh, that mobsters would use for hitmen. Because, like, they would paint houses with blood. Oh, so that's an actual like real yeah like term that's a ter- yeah okay so this movie The Irishman is based on a book about J- yeah I know it was based off a book I mean is it like, is it based on true events or anything, yes it's based or? on true events Jimmy Hoffa and um uh his hitman mm. I think it's his hitman so this is all based on a true story so um and the book the title of the book is I heard you paint houses because painting houses would be like code names for hitmen because they would paint houses with their victims' blood. Yeah, which is pretty wow. badass, if in my opinion, that's fucking awesome. It's, it's crazy. So I mean, really, all I need to hear to be excited about this movie is Scorsese. Like, really, that he's yeah. one of my top. Everything, everything he touches turns to gold. Yes, he's one of my top three favorite directors of all time. I don't think he's made a bad movie, if I'm being honest. I don't think and he I has think, either. and I think his the stretch of his last four movies, which was Hugo, 
Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, and then this, I think, is a perfect example of his um, range. Because you go from a Hugo, which is a kid's movie, like I think his yeah. first family-oriented movie, to go from that to Wolf of Wall Street, which is a balls-to-the-wall, energetic, you know, it's a movie on freaking crack, you know, 100% of the time, a movie on speed. Um, and then to go from Wolf of Wall Street to Silence. Have you seen Silence? No, I have not seen Silence, actually. I, I'm thinking about watching that. I was, I was literally just reading it. Okay, they're like two... It's with uh, Andrew Garfield, right? Yes, Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson. They are like, a cast. like polar opposite movies. Like as polar opposite as you can get. Silence is quiet. Um, it's very remote. It's isolated. It's slow. It's incredibly hard to watch. I think it's probably the only movie that I've seen like in recent years that actually kind of made me a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like not its subject matter, but because of what the, our main characters are going through. Um, do you know what Silence is about? No. Okay, for for you and for listeners who don't know, Silence is about um, uh, Catholic or Christian missionaries who go to feudal Japan and, you know, mm. bad times happen because, you know, feudal Japan, yeah. they were very, very, very anti, anti-Christian. anti it sounds, it sounds like an interesting movie. And, like, and to kind of, like, it's not really more about Martin Scorsese, but, like, Adam Driver, I, I'm, I I'm love a huge Adam Driver. fan of it. He's such a good, like, he might be one of the better actors of, like, our time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like people give him crap for his look and appearance in Star Wars, but he's probably the best actor in Star Wars right 100- now. I think I, I think I, he's the best actor in Star Wars. <laughs> like, like, he's... I'd say he's, he's, I'd say he's top fantastic. five. I'd say he's top five all-time in Star Wars actors. Yeah, and right now, like, for the new movies, he's probably the best. I, I just, I don't know who could be better. Um... Oh, one hundred percent. Because he's like the the the, um, the amount of emotion. Like, bro, the the, the thing I, I go back to is like the scene where he's trying to like control uh Ray's mind in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and it's just him with like if you think about it, like how they're filming this movie, like it's just Adam Driver with his hand out trying to like it looks like he's trying to touch um Ray's head, and if you're filming it, it's probably hilarious. But the the amount of emotion that this guy put into that whole performance is like well that was just like a small one second thing and i, I like that it's just he's, he's a great actor i'd say oscar isaac gives him a run for his money yeah oscar isaac is another really good actor but he uh, I, I don't know i i feel like if i have like to choose between the two i'm choosing adam driver but i, I love me some oscar isaac i mean bro. both of I them me some if isaac. i'm being honest both of them are probably my top 10 favorite actors you know at the moment yeah. i think adam driver is i'm looking at adam driver's you know, um, films, yeah, his resume since 2015. Well, you know, obviously 2015, you have The Force Awakens. Then you have Patterson in 2016, which is a really, really, you know, um, nice, quiet movie. Yeah. Um, then you have Silence in 2016. Fantastic. He's also in Girls, but he gets kind of a bad rap in Girls from what I understand. Personally, I've never seen the show, but, um, I mean, he's one of the main characters. Yeah, I had a, I had a girlfriend that that watched Girls and she she liked him in in the show. I mean, she wasn't really a film fan like that, but she I remember asking her and she liked him in the uh, in the show. So, so then yeah, I don't think he gets a bad rep from that. So then in 2017 he has the Mayorich stories. I know I mispronounced that, but it's that Netflix movie with Adam Sandler, Dustin Hoffman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in it. 
Uh, Logan Lucky, 2017. Then you have... Yeah, he was good in that. The Last Jedi, also 2017. Then you have Black Klansman in 2018. He was amazing in that. The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which I still have not seen. Yeah, then you that's have, a good movie. You have The Report in 2019, which, if I'm guessing, it looks like it's probably going to be um one of those like late Oscar-nominated movies. Yeah, probably. That's a pretty pretty stacked cast. Well, not stacked, but you know, its three mains are, are pretty good. Adam Driver, Corey Stoll, and John Hamm. Mm. Yeah, and then you had uh, you have the dead, uh, the dead never die. Oh, the dead don't die. I'm sorry, which just came out, yeah. which you know makes reviews, he's, but you know he's been on a on a nice little run. Yeah, he's done some good movies. Uh, he's another one that's like, like he's just choosing pa- like movies that he's passionate about. You know what I mean? Um, I'm a fan of his. I mean, we're we're, we're super off topic, but yeah, yeah, super. <laughs> I, mean, like, off I, topic I just wanted to. Well. I just wa- I wanted to give, give some appreciation to Adam. Driver. Wait, how did like, we get? How did we amazing. get from the Irishman to Adam Driver? Because Adam Driver was in always oh, in the, silence. Uh, silence. Yes, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So back to my original point. Um, you know, s- Jesus, I don't even know the original point I was trying to make. Whatever. Scorsese, Irishman. It's gonna be on Netflix Gold. in November. Two hundred million dollar budget. So, I'm in. One hundred percent. I'm in. I think it's gonna um, be Oscar nominated. Yeah, I, I for sure. It, oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. With those, with that, with those actors and that director, you're, 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 you're gonna get some Oscars. Yeah, 100%. Um. Anyways, uh, the last bit of news that we have, it's kind of been a slow news week since Comic Con and everything. Um, but uh, there is rumors. Nothing has been confirmed yet. But for those comic book fans out there, uh, it sounds like Andy Circus. Yes, the guy that played Gollum and um. What's his face from uh, Caesar from Planet of the Apes movies? It sounds like he will be directing Venom two, the sequel to Venom. And um, these are just rumors. These are just rumors. The only, th- honestly, we're, we're only going off this by because Tom Hardy, who plays Venom, Eddie Brock in Venom one, um, he posted a picture of Andy Serkis on Instagram. No caption, anything. Just literally posted a photo of him. And he was already uh, being talked about directing Venom 2. People were, uh, had – there was rumors out there saying that he was probably going to be the one directing Venom 2 uh, a couple weeks before that. So for Tom Hardy to just post a picture of Andy Serkis out of the blue kind of just tells me that he's either signed on to do the movie or he's about to sign on to do the movie. So – you have Andy Serkis probably doing Venom too. I mean, he's a big name. Um, you know he's gonna do the mocap and yeah, the visual so effects justice. Th- which, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I say, say that the visual effects were the were the problem in Venom. So I don't know. Well, okay, Andy Serkis has. I'm like pulling up his filmography. Like when it comes to directing, he's not great he's not terrible he's not bad what he he did the Mowgli. he did Mowgli. have you seen Mowgli? i never finished that i wasn't really feeling it it's okay it's all right it's not as good as the regular jungle book that uh john favreau did it's different this one's a little more mature it's a little darker um but john favreau's just had like a certain charm to it that um well john favreau's version was more like of based off the disney uh, cartoon. Yeah, yeah. One thing I did it's, like about Mowgli though was um, 
was Andy Serkis's decision to make the faces for the animals just slightly more cartoony, like just slightly. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking at that. When you're watching it at first, it's a little bit off-putting because every yeah, it's a little creepy because everything else looks so real. But, but. And I mean, you have Mowgli, who's it's it's this is not like a CGI. I mean, the the animals are CGI, but I'm talking about. This is not a CGI move. Like Mowgli is actually played by a live act, a live action actor. Like this is there's someone here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, but I like the decision for the animals to have like a little bit more um, like cartoonish faces because it allows for more um, exaggeration and emotion. Yeah, and I feel like like Lion imagine King exactly. With I was that. about to say that. Imagine if the Lion King would have just went a little bit more into this uncanny valley. Sure, it may have hurt the aesthetic of the movie, but I think um, performance-wise, it would have been a little bit better. So I do like that decision from Andy Serkis, but I don't really know what Andy Serkis can bring to the table that would help the problems of Venom. I'm not saying he's a bad director, and he's one of the all-time greats for what he has done with mocap and CGI, but... Incredible actor. He, um... So what I'm hearing is that they're bringing him on board because they want the... Okay, spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen Venom 1. The movie ends on a post credit scene that introduces uh, Cletus Cassidy. And if you don't know who Cletus Cassidy is, that's one of the craziest, most psychotic Spider-Man villains ever. Um, Carnage. Carnage. He's, he's very similar to, to Venom, like symbiote and all that stuff. Uh, except he's not, you know, dark purple, black. He's more of like a reddish tint to him. And uh, he's just... Cletus Cassidy is, is like a like a a murderer. He's a serial like, killer. He is, yeah, he's a serial killer that that and the symbiote attaches to him. So whatever the symbiote attaches to just makes everything worse. So Cletus Cassidy just goes batshit crazy, and uh, they tease him at the end of the movie with a post post credit scene, and he's being played by um by Woody Harrelson, which. I, okay, like I, I love Woody Harrelson as an actor. I, I, I he's he's a goat, but. I was not a fan of the post credit scene when I saw it originally because it just the, the acting seemed a little forced. But um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because of who he is. And obviously, like, we haven't even seen the movie, so every, anything could change. But, um, but, like, going back to what I was saying, Andy Serkis is being brought in to help with the mocap. Um, or, like, that's like the main goal is to help with the mocap for Carnage to make that performance, like, as crazy as they can. And who who better to you know at least advise the mocap for Connors than the the mocap king? I mean, but I don't think that, like that's a problem. Like I don't think that's something. It's not. That they it's need. not. I think the movie. I think the Venom's problem was that the story just wasn't good. Like, yeah, like <laughs> the way the movie was filmed and everything. Like I don't have a problem with. It. I think there was a lot of you know. Pro, like there was a lot of ups and downs of the movie, but I just think the story was not good, and um, you know hopefully they can they can turn it around with the sequel. I mean the first one made so much money, so at the end of the day, it, it it'll probably still make money. It, it doesn't even matter. But I, that's just like yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like Andy Circus mocap, like that it's not it's not needed for this movie. Yeah, like I don't have a, I love Andy Circus, and I have nothing against him. I just feel like they should have... Like, he's just not the right choice for Venom. I don't think he'd be the right choice. Yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird one. But, 
I mean, we'll we'll wait till we see the movie. Yeah, I'm 100%. not gonna. Yeah, at least like let's before we give more opinions on it, like let's, let's at least see a trailer. So yeah. when that happens, that that'll probably be released in like the next two, maybe three years. So we'll see. Um, but with that being said, want to talk about Once what? Upon a Time? I want to talk about Once Upon a Time. Well, do you want to touch on the? On you know our favorite Tarantino films before we touch on Once Upon a Time. Yeah, so I actually I actually did a lot of thinking before and after I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. If I had to put my top five Tarantino movies, hmm. Okay, Tarantino's it's a, it's a, one of my top three. It's a hard favorite list. directors of all time. Yeah, so this he's, list he's is very very hard for me and. Every movie in this list is separated by maybe like, like they can change at any moment. But I think besides the first two, the first two are pretty solidified. I would say I'm going to start from five, you know, okay. add a little suspense. Okay. Jesus Christ. Who would I put at five? Who would I put at five? There's so many. They're all good, man. Like the thing about his movies too, that they're so different than one another. Like they're not all the same. The only ones that are the same are. Kill Bill One, Kill Bill Two, maybe. <laughs> okay, but Kill Bill counts as one movie. Okay. He considers okay, so we'll Kill, Bill, Kill Bill. He was going to release Kill Bill as one movie, but it was too long of a runtime, so he had to split it in two. But Kill Bill is one movie. Now, does he count? Does because I know they were released as two movies. Does he count each of those movies as his? You know, ten no, movies. No, he counts them to... as one. So technically, so how many more does he have left? Okay, so technically, if you're splitting Kill Bill One and Two as two separate movies, he's at ten movies. But he counts Kill Bill mm. 1 and 2. He just says Kill Bill. So it's one movie. So technically, he's at 9. Okay, so he has one more in him. Yeah. All right. So on my number 5 spot, I'm going to put Kill Bill in there. Okay. Okay. That's my number 5 spot. That's a good movie. Great movie. Have you seen Lady Snowblood? Lady Snowblood. Yes. It's a Japanese movie. Directly inspired Kill Bill. It's basically almost like the same story. But it's awesome. It's just as good. I've never seen it, but yeah, I, I'm a fan of Kill Bill. I haven't. So the thing that sucks is I haven't seen Kill Bill since they were like released. I was like a kid when those movies were released. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the first one was released in 2003, so I was like in third grade, and um, like I saw. I, I don't. I didn't see it in the theaters, obviously, guys. So those of you who are freaking out that little kid went to go see Kill Bill in the theaters. I don't. I didn't see it in the theaters. I think I saw it like on DVD or something when I was like, you know maybe like fifth or sixth grade or something. Uh, but I did see those movies. Those, I, I love them. I haven't seen them recently, so I can't, you know, give any like proper thoughts on, on that subject. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kill Bill is, is like up there on my list from everything that I remember. Right. So I'm going to put Kill Bill on my number five spot. My number four spot, I'm going to go ahead and put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, okay. I like that. And number three... Uh, this is where I have trouble, honestly. I mean, I feel like I'm gonna put I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna put Reservoir Dogs at number three. That's number three, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I'm gonna put number three, Reservoir Dogs, at number two. two? Are you ready for this? I'm a little worried. At number two, I'm gonna put Pulp Fiction. Okay, I mean that's that. I feel like that's everyone's number one. That's my number one. Um. And then I, but now I'm curious to know what your number one is. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious. That's Bastards. my number one Quentin Tarantino movie. Wow. I think, I personally think that that's 
his strongest and his most uh, complete movie. I don't want to say complete. That's not the right word. But to me, Inglourious Bastards is like everything Tarantino had learned from filmmaking, you know, from his prior films. Because Inglourious Bastards was actually meant to come out way before it did. So Bastards came out in 2009. However, Tarantino had been writing the script since like the 90s. That movie was going to come out, I think, before Kill Bill, if I'm not mistaken. Either before or right after Kill Bill. So, Bastards was something he's had in his head for a long time. So, I think it's something that he really took his time polishing. Um, And they say, there's a saying that great movies have three great scenes and no bad ones. And I think Inglourious Bastards, like, absolutely destroys, like, that metric. Yeah. Like, I could name, like four scenes or five scenes off the top of my head for this movie that are like just straight up amazing um most notably the opening scene with uh, christoph waltz i think it has arguably the best performance ever in a tarantino movie with christoph waltz um i just think to me bastards is everything tarantino had had learned and had put in his movies beforehand and just putting it in a full start to finish narrative yeah like everything that he learned from each movie that he's yeah. done prior to that he was able to combine it all and yeah. make one perfect absolutely movie and i recognize in your, your eyes and i recognize pulp fiction is one of the greatest movies of all time and i recognize pulp fiction's greatness and i love pulp fiction it's one of my favorite movies of all time but yeah. to me inglorious bastards just feels i don't know a little more polished yeah, Pulp Fiction, like, I just rewatched it, and, um, I, like, yeah, I, I don't know how, like, and don't get me wrong, man, like, I'm no expert, you know, I don't direct movies, I'm not Tarantino, just, like, he's a genius, I think everybody knows that, and, um, there's just something about Pulp Fiction that's, like, it's not as perfect as people make it out to be, don't get me wrong, it's still one of the best movies ever, but, um, I, I kind of feel like the movie's, like, I, I I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's like, do, do you feel like it's like slightly like overrated, but not overrated in the sense like you know that movie's not as good as people make it out to be. Like I still think the movie's fantastic. I just don't think the movie's perfect. I mean, I think it's I think it's properly rated. I just think it has like like kind of like a negative stigma now, or not a negative stigma, but I just think it has kind of like this reputation as being like. Like, yeah, go to film school. Oh, what are your favorite movies? Um, yeah. Pulp Fiction yeah. and The Godfather. Yeah. Like, you get me? Like, that kind of stigma? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. 100%. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that's probably, like... Like, there's already kind of, like, a reputation of, like, Pulp Fiction being, like, you know, that kind of movie. Like, super, like... I don't know, like, how best... You get you understand what I'm saying? I don't know how to best... No, I I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I don't know how to, like, articulate, like... Because I I I hundred percent know what you're saying. I just I, I don't know how to say it. You know what I mean? But I think everyone that's listening right now probably knows what you're saying. Like it's just one. It's one of those movies. Yeah, it's it's amazing. One of my all time favorite movies. It's incredible. And one of the best the movies of all so time. Good. Yeah, it's so good. Like the acting, like not even the way it's shot. Like the the performances that that Tarantino is able to get out of these actors in his movies are incredible. Like I was just like when I was rewatching the movie, um, the whole the the whole scene at the end of the movie 
where they're in the uh the Denny's or whatever eating breakfast mm-hmm. and then you see like the whole heist or not the heist the the robbery start to happen and you see uh Samuel Jackson's character and John Travolta's character mm-hmm. like you know what I mean that the whole like just I mean obviously the way it was filmed was incredible because like a lot of those scenes are like one shots like you know what I mean they're not cut 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 it's you could tell like it was like one smooth performance um from start to finish mm-hmm. and like I, i'm just re-watching that movie and i'm like bro like like samuel jackson and like I mean, obviously he's one of the best actors ever but like god he's so good in that yeah. movie like the way he just like the, the performance that tarantino is able to get af- from this guy is 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 just incredible yeah and now i know i have inglorious bestards at number one but I'm going to say it's not by much. Like, it's not like it's Inglourious Bastards all the way up here and then Pulp Fiction all the way down here. No, like, it's very, very, very close in my list. Yeah, yeah. Very, very close. Yeah, I mean, if I had to make a list, it'd probably just be uh, The Kill Bills, uh, Once Upon a Time, and then Pulp Fiction. I, I love I, – I, I, I mean, we'll, we're going to dive into Once Upon a Time now. But um, but I I loved that movie. I mean, Pulp Fiction might just be higher on the list because I I like the way, I, I just like the story more. Um, but not in a bad way. They're just they're two completely different movies. Um, but yeah, if I had to choose one, Pulp Fiction is my number one. But um, with that being said, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? All right, so once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Stephen and I went to go watch this movie the day it released on Friday, and let's do a little spoiler-free section, and then we'll get into spoilers. Unlike last week, because I mean we did the Lion King last week, so okay, well, different. Just to give some quick spoiler-free thoughts, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was fantastic. Brad Pitt was amazing. Um. The entire movie is like, it's like I don't I don't know if you would label it as a comedy, but it's hilarious in a good way. Like not like hilarious. Like there's movies that are like ridiculous and that they just become so funny. Like this movie's like it's ridiculous, but it's like intentionally funny at the same time. And it's just it's like such a strange film, but it's it works, man. It's so good. I I really like. I loved it, man. I loved that movie. Like, everything about it, I, I loved. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead right now and say this is probably my favorite movie of the year. I'd say either this or Endgame. They switch for me, honestly. Like, it's 1A and 1B. I feel like a lot of, like, you know, diehard film fans are going to get mad when you say Endgame is one of the best movies, of, you know, of the year, but... It's like, bro, all the anticipation building up to that to that movie for the past, you know, eleven years. Like, how can you not put that in your no, list? I, I recognize that this is probably like a better movie. This no, not probably. This is a better movie. movie it is than a better Endgame. film. It's like, but End, as weird Endgame as it is was to just like, Endgame was just a perfect movie for the fans. Yeah, and that's that's why I, I can love I love and appreciate everything that they did in that. Absolutely, movie. I spent 
what like 12 years of my life you know basically like watching movies leading up to endgame so for me endgame was more than just a movie um so i'd say like this and endgame are 1a and and 1b for me but i absolutely love this movie this is my favorite tarantino movie since inglorious bastards and that's nothing against the hateful eight and django i love 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 those movies i've seen those movies a million times dude tarantino doesn't make a bad movie so if you're making like a top list like it's not like you're bashing the other ones it's just like bro every movie's so good i have to just yeah it's like it's like picking it's like i'm a father i have to pick like which are my favorite favorite kids kids. um so i love those movies however i just think this i just think once upon a time is a little better um just because it's tarantino at his most constrained i feel like tarantino is is holding back a lot of his Tarantinoisms, um, while putting forth his better ones. Yeah. Um. You know, this is his most quiet movie since Jackie Brown. I don't know if you've seen Jackie Brown. No, I haven't. So Jack- Jackie Brown is a really, really, really good movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it though. Um, but it's not like his typical Tarantino movies, which is you know, crazy nonstop. Uh blood and gore and over-the-top action like Kill Bill and Inglourious Bastards every every few minutes and there's no sense of like this underlying tension that's gonna explode you know throughout the movie like like especially in Inglourious Bastards and Hateful Eight where you're kind of like on the edge of your seat it's more of like this you know chill you know along for the ride kind of movie like this is um and I actually thought a lot of um, director Richard Richard Linklater a lot while watching this movie. I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, he made uh, Boyhood, uh, mm. Days and Confused. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants some, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Well, Richard Linklater, he's a kind of a director who focuses a lot more on characters and relationships than an actual narrative. Um, especially in a movie like Days and Confused and Everybody Wants Them. So this, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of felt like that. Like we're more along the ride with these characters, watching these characters interact with one another and how they bounce off of each other and interact with each other than, hey, like buckle down on this movie because this plot is going to be insane. It's not that kind of movie. And I'm sure some people are kind of going to be let down because of that, it's not a very like strong narrative. But if you buy into this world, which Tarantino does a great job of doing, he does a great job of really selling this 1960s Hollywood. Um, and if you buy into these characters, you know, one rising star and one who's kind of like in the twilight of his career and he's kind of trying to save it. If you can buy into this, you're going to love the movie. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, It goes back to, like, what I was saying earlier about Tarantino's movies with, like, Pulp Fiction and stuff. But, like, what I love about this fucking movie was... Ooh, crop that out. (laughs) What I loved about this movie was... I'm not um, cutting that out, by the way. Okay. Well, I love... I mean, that's just how passionate I am, man. (laughs) Um, I like that. I love the performances, man. Like, it's like... Bro, Margot Robbie has turned into be one of the best actresses in, you know, the past couple of years, man. Like she's she was phenomenal as a uh, as a um, Sharon Tate. And, you know, Brad Pitt, man, like I I think he 
I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, he needs to win Best Supporting Actor, but he should definitely be on that list, which I'm pretty sure he will be. Because, honestly, like, as weird as it – like the I feel like the marketing of this movie made it seem like it was going to be a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but I feel like it was more of a Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Um – I mean, do you want to start like diving into spoilers now, or? Well, I just want to say something. I just want to say one more thing before we start diving into spoilers. Um, I f- one thing I will say against this movie, one drawback of it, because obviously this movie's not perfect. If you watch this movie without knowing the context of Hollywood in 1969, I believe it was, and you may be confused, and Sharon Tate and the Manson murders you will be a little confused throughout the movie. Because we saw it with a friend, <clears throat> um, Blake, and... Who's, he, who's that? <laughs> and um, he didn't know the context of the Manson of the Manson murders and really what that whole thing was about. So he enjoyed the movie a little less than we did. Because if you don't know about all I that... Mean, I'm not even like... like I, I don't know the exact like specifics of... But you Manson know about murder, it, though. Or- but I know Char- who Charles Manson is. Yeah, I-, I knew about it. So that's why, like, as soon as, like, I, like, the movie doesn't even, like, tell you that it's, like, diving into that stuff. Like, it just kind of, like, just shoves it in front of your face. And you're like, wait a second. Are we, like, getting into the the, the, the Charles Man- Manson, um, what do they call it? The Manson Farm the Manson or whatever? Family? Like, are we getting, yeah, like, are we get yeah, the Manson family. I'm like, are we, like, diving into this? Like, and we dove into it. Yeah, I would say, like, um... If you don't know about it, you're kind of like sitting here watching the movie like, okay, what is even the point of this? Like, what am I watching? Yeah, the movie is like, it's like, you, you'll you feel like it doesn't have a plot. But once they start diving, you know, or once they uh, they get into all the stuff with Charles Manson and all that, the movie, you start to see what the movie is all about. Um, but yeah, I forgot, for, for you guys that, that, that haven't uh, seen the movie, that want to see the movie, that don't know anything about that. I would maybe just, you know, Google or Wikipedia uh, who Charles Manson is, um, you know, what the Manson family was. Uh, literally, like, four or five minutes of reading, you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you'll be able to go into this movie and 100% know what's going on. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I feel like even if you don't have any idea what's going on, you'll still enjoy the movie, but it, it does help. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess now we can dive into some spoilers. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's talk spoilers so, for Once Upon a Time in Everybody Hollywood. dies. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he's kidding. He's kidding. He's kidding. Um, no, nah, what's it called? Um, okay. I mean, people so do die, right but bat, not everybody dies. Yeah, no, it's right off the bat, though. I just want to come out and say, I'm like, I don't know. I, there's so many great scenes that I can't pick which one is my favorite, but one of my favorite scenes is you kind of see it in the trailers, but you don't get the full thing. The Bruce Lee versus Cliff, um, when they have their little uh, little feud outside the mm-hmm. when they're outside outside the set, mm-hmm. and the like the whole thing turns into like a fight, and then Cliff throws him into the car. Like that whole sequence was just hilarious, bro. Like, I was I've I've never cracked up like so hard in a movie like in a long time like I did with that scene. Like I was literally dying laughing. Okay, I, I want to talk about that for a second. All right, so you know about the not the controversy, but the kind of um. Okay, jeez, all right. I'm kind of like getting the words lost in my mouth right now. Okay, so Shannon Lee. 
Bruce Lee's daughter, um, has some problems with the way Bruce Lee's character is portrayed in the movie. Um, basically, I don't know if you saw, I, I said something in a part of a group chat that we're in, and basically she's stating that the movie kind of like does a disservice to her father because um, of his nationality. and He had a much harder time in Hollywood than, you know, people like, you know, white males like Cliff and and Rick Dalton would have had. I see where she's coming which from. But like, I, I see where she's coming from. And she... But Bruce Lee's, like, I feel like he's a well-respected name. Like, everybody loves Bruce yeah. Lee. Not, not, like, like, she just met with how he's portrayed in the movie, which... She, that's a valid that's a valid point you know it's just, okay i get what she's saying but i feel like at the end of the day you have to realize that this is tarantino's vision and tarantino likes to when it comes to movies that have to do with like real events or you know real times he likes to kind of twist it in his own little way you get what i'm saying yeah um and that's kind of what he did here and i don't see a problem with it i don't think I, the whole thing with Bruce Lee, I don't think was disrespectful at all. I just think it was a good scene to, you know, to make you laugh. It was whatever. it was to make um, you laugh and to kind of you know solidify that hey, like Cliff, it kind of established the fact that like hey, yeah, Cliff, you know, can fight. And he's a he badass. Is, That's, that that was honestly the, like the first moment where you you realize that Cliff is like okay, like this guy is he's the real. Yeah, dealer. I also think they they mentioned in the movie that he was in the military. So it kind of makes sense yeah, as he, to where uh, he, I think Leonardo DiCaprio well, the, says it's a Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah, he was in the military and then he killed his wife. Supposedly killed his wife. Um, Supposedly, we don't know, but apparently he kills his wife. He was in the military. I mean, obviously, like killing your wife is is terrible, but <laughs> it just try, it just goes to show you that like this character is all kinds of messed yeah. up. You know what I mean? But before we stray, like before we get too off topic, my point, um, you know, Shannon Lee, her criticisms are valid. Um, I don't know. I agree with her somewhat, but on one hand, I do recognize that this movie is kind of like a mockery of a lot of things in Hollywood. Um, but I see her point. I understand her point, And she's 100%, you know, in the right. You know, she could think she is entitled to her opinion. Uh, and I agree with her opinion somewhat. But one thing that... Um, I do kind of have a problem with, especially in light of how Bruce Lee was handled, was how Roman Polanski was handled, which now I understand that Roman Polanski, I'm pretty sure has no lines in the movie. Or like the person portraying Roman Polanski has no lines in this movie. I don't even remember what scene this is. Um, Roman Polanski, he's um, Sharon Tate's husband. Oh, or gotcha, boyfriend. Gotcha. I don't know if they're boyfriend or husband, but whatever. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna portray someone as well respected, uh, as Bruce Lee, and kind of make him into like a running joke, um, I do have a problem with you taking someone as uh much of a like scum as Roman Polanski and treating him like a normal like extra yeah. in the movie. I understand yeah. that Roman Polanski didn't have any lines and that he wasn't really important to the movie. Um, but I don't know. It's just something that I don't want to say rub me the wrong way, but it is something that I do hold. It's just a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but it's not something that like, while I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, like it was getting under my skin. Yeah, or something. Yeah, it's just something yeah. that, that it hit me once I had finished the movie and I had read up on, 
um I didn't, even, I didn't even realize that he was in the movie yeah he is so. he's, he, he's not in it for long maybe like like yeah, three so I guess minutes like, total but they do drop yeah. like drop him my name he is credited um it's just you know just something that i thought of after the movie that i was like oh you know i kind of do wish that tarantino had kind of you know thrown a little elbows at polanski if he is which is which is something that he's good at doing yeah uh tarantino yeah if he is you know gonna do this about bruce lee and it's funny enough because bruce lee is someone that tarantino greatly respects so i actually think that part of the reason um tarantino kind of you know had a little fun with bruce lee is because bruce lee is someone that tarantino really respects because tarantino loves loves asian cinema He's heavily, heavily, heavily inspired by a lot of Asian cinema. Um, yeah, he's probably. He, I mean, I don't know if he's ever said it, obviously, but he's. Probably I think he has, a but huge, huge. Yeah, fan you can of Bruce see, Lee. you can see, you can see, um, like his inspirations in Asian cinema in movies like uh, Kill Bill, especially. Um, but one of the reasons I think he decided to, you know, kind of mess around with Bruce Lee a little bit is because of the respect that he has for him. And part of the reason why he didn't really bring light to Roman Polanski was the same reason that um, Charles Manson is only in the movie for like 60 seconds, is that these people don't deserve to have their names um, or to have their likeness in film, you know, um, exaggerated yeah. or personified or to even made people. Because in this movie, yeah. Charles Manson is in it for literally like 60 seconds. And he's gone. And yeah, his name is brought up after um, after the fact. And, you know, the Manson family does play a huge part in the movie. But Charles Manson himself is in it for like 60 seconds. Um, Roman Polanski is mentioned by name, I think maybe like three times. He, I don't think he has any lines in the movie. Sharon Tate's boyfriend, I think her boyfriend. Because I know there's like two guys that Sharon Tate is involved with in the movie. Um, I don't know if the second one is her boyfriend or something. I'm probably Or ex-boyfriend, whatever. Um, the same reason that he didn't give Polanski like any lines, the same reason that Manson was only in it for six, like sixty seconds. Like these people don't deserve to have their likeness and their character. You know, they're important to the story, and we recognize they're important to the story because you can't have a movie about the Manson murders without Polanski's involvement in some form or fashion. Um, so I think Tarantino kind of made the like. In one hand, I can understand why he kind of made the right decision not really involving Polanski more than he did because then you run the risk of hey um look at Polanski look at Tarantino showing Polanski like in a positive light and then if you show him in a negative light you're kind of showing the audience like if you don't show him in any light you just kind of put him in the movie for like with absolutely no importance it's just kind of like hey yeah fuck this guy he was just kind of here like he doesn't deserve to you know be any he doesn't deserve to have any more importance in this movie I yeah, kind of got lost a little bit there, but I tried to like articulate that as best as I could. I yeah, hope no, you you're good. You're up. good. I, you made some good points. You made some good points. Um, but the Bruce Lee scene did, you know, it did make me laugh. It was it was funny and it was a great running joke. It was a fantastic. And the scene. actor for, the actor who played scene. Bruce Lee was awesome. He was spot on, man. Mike Mike Mo Mike Mo, some, it was I forgot his name. Um, let me see. Yeah, Mike M O H. I'm assuming it's Mike Mo, but I could be wrong. Um. Yeah, he did a great he job. He was awesome. Uh, he was like a spinning image of Bruce Lee, and the way he talked and his mannerisms and all that. He was awesome. Yeah. Um. What else? What else did I want to talk about? Oh. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, br- br- dude, Brad Pitt. Like, I feel like this was more of his movie than Leonardo DiCaprio's, especially like with the way the movie ends. Um. 
I mean, we're kind of all over the place, but I mean, whatever. It's not about spoilers. Uh, Blake, the whole, you know, well, first of all, okay, hold on. Before I get to like the end of the movie, the middle of the movie, when uh, when Brad Pitt's character Cliff shows up to the uh, Manson um, farm or whatever you want to call ranch. it, Spawn Ranch, yeah, he uh, he shows up. The entire time that he steps foot on that soil or whatever and leaves, it's like the most like it's so tense and 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 I was kind of like reading up online about it and people were like, bro. Um, Quentin Tarantino can make a horror movie like, and just by going off that entire uh, you know, couple of scenes, because it was just so intense that like, and there was nothing scary going on. There was nothing, nothing really happened. Like there was nothing much of it, but it was just like the way everything was filmed. Like you know, all these like dreary like noises that you make you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah I get you. it was just it was shot so well and i loved it and it just like it adds to the story obviously like with the way the movie plays out and um yeah it was just i like that that entire scene too i loved mm-hmm. and uh yeah brad pitt man like he's I know, I know people look at him as like you know as one of those like uh actors that is like oh he's just like so good looking like that's all he brings to the table but no like that's not like he's one of the best actors yeah he's one of the best actors ever literally ever like he's so 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 good especially in this movie and um like the whole acid scene at the end man i I loved it yeah i want to say some things before we get talk about that third act um i was actually going to bring up spawn ranch so i'm glad you did you did before me. Yeah, it was, let's talk about it that. It was incredibly tense section of the movie. Um, it kind of actually did make me want to watch a Tarantino horror movie. I feel like he would make a really damn good horror film. But I know we're we're probably gonna be getting a Star Trek movie as his tenth movie. I don't think it'll like, be his tenth. We'll see. I think he's just gonna write the script. I don't think he'll direct. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. But I would I would like to see him do a, a horror movie. I like to see him do something more original than a Star Trek movie. But that's just me personally. Um, one thing I wanted to to bring up uh, were the performances, where I think Brad Pitt had a great performance. Um, it did feel a little bit more like his movie. He had an amazing performance. Yeah. I do think that this might be a top three Leo DiCaprio performance for performance. me. Yeah, I agree. I would put I agree this. 100%. I would put this behind Wolf of Wall Street, and. He's just done so many good things, man. Maybe Django. I don't know. I, I don't want to put Django. Definitely The Wolf he, of he, Wall Street and Once Upon a Time are probably my one and two. The third spot, I can argue with like five different movies, but I think this is definitely number two. Um, I just think he's so damn good. I think that scene when um he messes up his lines on the set of the TV show with um, Timothy Oliphant. You know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. he messes up his lines yeah. and goes back to his trailer and like oh starts destroying shit, starts kicking things. I love it. And then it. he goes back and absolutely just kills it. it. He just kills it. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. And before I get any further, I want to mention um, the young actress who's with Leo in that scene, Julia Butters. Oh, yes. She is going to be a superstar one day. She was She's awesome. so good. She's... I just do. I just looked up her age. She's ten years old, she and is she is awesome. so good in this movie. You know, child actors in that age are really, really, really hit or miss. They're either really good or really bad. 
she was phenomenal. She was awesome, and I'm. I hope to see her career go in in like a really positive trajectory, especially after Tarantino movie. The sky. Yeah, I think the sky. I think the sky is the limit for her. I think she is fantastic, and she held her own against Leo DiCaprio, which not many the people whole... can say. Um, the movie, like the movie, did not have one bad performance in it. Let's just oh, be honest. Absolutely like not. everybody, everybody was just on their. Al Pacino was awesome. Who I was pleasantly surprised because an actor of his caliber lately hasn't been in, hasn't had like the best track record in movies like the past few years. So I'm glad to see him kind of you know get back into it. Yeah. Uh, in a Tarantino well. movie, uh, he did an awesome. This is the first movie since like Paterno. Actually, I don't know if you've seen Paterno. No, I don't think I have. The Joe Paterno biopic. Whatever. I'm not going to get into oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. I did. I did. I did. He was good in that, but he he was really good in this. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. He he wasn't even in the movie for that long, but for what he did, he was. It was good stuff. Yeah. Um, There was actually a lot of actors. Like, like I kind of want to talk on that for a second. Like, this movie, Tarantino was like, oh, I had like six hours of footage for this movie. And. It's like the the only gripe I can really say about the movie is that there's like a couple scenes here and there that drag a little bit. Um, the movie is like a, I would say it's like maybe probably like a few minutes too long. The movie's like two hours and forty something minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can cut that down to like two and a half, maybe two twenty or something, like you're good. But I mean, Tarantino just makes long movies, so you kind of have to like deal with that. Mm-hmm. And um, with that being said, um, I just I'm like. I just don't understand how he had so much footage. Like, what the hell did you guys record? And there's so many actors, too, that were brought on for this movie that weren't even in the final cut of the movie because of just how long the movie already was and all that. It's, it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. actually crazy. Um, I think Margot Robbie was especially great, um, considering the fact that even without a lot of lines... Um, she really felt like the heart of this movie. She really did feel like the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I yeah. think she did an amazing job um, portraying the innocence and the sweetness of Sharon Tate. Um, you know what's funny, actually, like what I kind of want to touch on real quick is that, like, when I found out that they were like that uh, Margot Robbie was playing Sharon Tate, I thought the movie would just end on Sharon Tate's death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't, which is like kind of like surprising in a way. I'm super glad. But, that I it mean. Didn't. Oh, yeah, I am too. But like, obviously, like, the third act was just incredible anyway, so we didn't even need it. Um, I, I just it's just funny because like when you hear like Tarantino is making this movie and then like she's ended, she's bringing being brought in to play uh, Sharon Tate. Like that was like the first thing that came to my mind was like, okay, he's actually gonna maybe show the death of Sharon Tate, and uh, no, he didn't. I'm glad. I'm all. glad it didn't go that way. Yeah, it's it like puts some respect on her name. You know what I mean for not yeah. doing that. And um, I think Margot Robbie really sold that, you know, in her performance. Um, and probably, like, what's probably tied for my favorite scene in the movie is a scene when she's in the movie theater um, watching her movie. And she's kind of, like, enjoying and laughing at everyone else. She's all giddy. Yeah, she's all and, giddy yeah. seeing everyone I laugh at it. her scenes. I, man, I just love the way Margot portrayed Sharon's innocence and just how, she, how much she just loves being in movies. And I think that it's this movie is just a really big love letter to Hollywood, and I'm a sucker for those kinds of movies. I love you Singing know, in the Rain. I love La La Land. I love movies about <laughs> making movies and about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And this just feels like Tarantino's love letter to the 1960s Hollywood and old Hollywood. Yeah. Um, 
it's kind of like like it, we're kind of going away from like or i'm gonna kind of go away from like the main topic of the story but one thing that i love about this movie i mean this is just tarantino's brilliance of of directing um is i don't know what it was it's it's the the scene where where cliff goes back to his house in the beginning of the movie and he's like feeding his dog and all that stuff there's like this oddly satisfying but like weird um like the way he shot like he's he has his dog's food in the can it's like some slimy looking you know whatever and like the way the way he shoots it where the camera like is zooms in on his hand as he's like whipping the the food out and the way the food comes out and like the way it slips out the noise like all the stuff like the way it's just yeah, I know. I was gonna say like I love the way like when Tarantino does that in his movies. Like he did that in Pulp Fiction. Like when they're uh, you know when they're taking drugs and all that stuff, they'll like zoom in on the like on the drugs and everything. Like it's the way that he just films those little bits and pieces. Are just oh, I love that. Like I'm I'm a sucker for that. So seeing that in this movie, like especially for that that scene, it's like weird. If you if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. When with the dog food, like it's just the way it was like weird at the same it was like super weird but like oddly satisfying like the way it just like slips out the noise like god like he just does like these little things that you're just like damn like this guy's such a brilliant director yeah. man like it actually it's just the little things just little things that help you it's little that things that that, that make the big things you know perfect yeah 100 um i mean i loved it i love this movie i think i'm gonna start wrapping it up because we're a little pressed for time here um well, let's uh, let's talk about the third act before we. Get oh, up. that's right. We didn't even the, talk about uh, the third act. Okay. Yeah, I mean the third act. I mean it's not crazy amount, but the third act. I mean is 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 so 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 it's good. Tarantino. Brad it's Pitt Tarantino. On acid. It's Tarantino. Like at his. Finest. Yeah, the movie, the movie doesn't even feel like a Tarantino movie. Like it does at, at parts, but uh, like until you get to that third act, like the whole entire third act, you're like, okay, this is a Tarantino movie. Yeah, like you, like, you can literally watch this whole movie and be like, if I if you didn't put Tarantino's name on this, besides maybe like all the feet. All like the shots of feet, oh, which yeah, kind of gives feet, it, which yeah, would 100%. give it away. So a lot of feet shots in this movie. Um, yeah. I would say like some people would have a hard time like thinking this was a Tarantino movie, until, you know, the third, third act. act when <laughs> the third act begins and you're just, like, this is Tarantino. yeah, she just hits the fan. Um, Manson family members die. Uh, Brad Pitt trips on acid. Leonardo DiCaprio lights someone on fire with a flamethrower that was mentioned like in the first oh, t- twenty minutes of the movie dude okay so touching on that real quick the, that whole scene like when the girl is is i forgot what like she's all injured in the face and all that stuff so she's like screaming the girls that the one of the girls that was attacking them when she's like screaming at the top of her lungs like what in the pool she falls into the pool she's like screaming or whatever and um and when leno dicaprio's character uh rick dalton when he uh gets out of the pool he just walks away i'm sitting here thinking like he's gonna run away or or whatever <laughs> and then he walks back into the shot with a flamethrower and then they start playing like the theme song of the of the movie that he shot that scene for <laughs> and it was just like so well done that he lights her on fire and kills her like i know as messed up as it sounds it's just like it was so good it was, man it, it was yeah so good. it was really really funny and that payoff with um with the flamethrower yeah, being the mentioned was... in literally the first 20 minutes of Chekhov's gun being mentioned in the first um uh, 20 minutes of the movie and then being brought out i had forgotten about that flamethrower i honestly like was not expecting him to pull it out so when he does yeah i, I thought it was just something cool like that they added to, like you know for his character but i was like wait no like this guy actually has this flamethrower and he's actually gonna use it, it it's just so so well done man so funny yeah uh, it, the third act makes 
the the rest of the movie like if you think the the rest of the movie is a little slow the third act really it pays um, off. yeah 100 percent like and brad pitt like the, him tripping on acid was like hysterical and what what's kind of like what i like too about that scene was um when the uh the manson uh family you know comes into the house and they have a gun on him you know i'm like thinking i mean obviously like, this is a tarantino movie but this can literally play out so many different ways so I'm sitting here like, damn, like Brad Pitt, Cliff is gonna die, <laughs> like, you know, whatever, like he's tripping on acid, like the dog is there, and I'm like, dude, they might kill the dog. Like I'm like stressed out. I watched this movie, like, what are they gonna do right now? And then even though Cliff is like tripping on acid hard, he's able to, you know, sick his dog on them to attack them, and he's able to like defend himself and fight them off. And it's like watching his reactions as he's on acid, like he gets like stabbed in the hip and he just like looks down at the <laughs> knife. And it was just like, oh, wow. Like, it was just, oh, my God. It's so well done, man. Like, Brad Pitt killed it in this movie. Yeah. Killed 100%. it. 100%. Oh, just great performances all around, honestly. 100%. What a great film. Yeah, really. Um, Anything else you want to add? That's that's pretty much it for me. Um, Actually, like, one more thing, too. That's not really the third act. Dakota Fanning was in this movie. She played yeah. the... Uh, she played the uh, the girl that um, that leading up to Brad Pitt meeting George. She's like at the door stopping was, him and stuff, like talking to him. Yeah, she's at the door stopping him. Like that does not look like Dakota Fanning. So good, like props to her, man. Like she she did a good job. Yeah. For the for the five minutes she's in the movie, like it was awesome. Yeah, definitely one hundred percent. So mad respect. But uh, other than that, yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, that's pretty much it for for this episode. Uh, go watch. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you like Tarantino, if you like um, movies that revolve around characters and relationships and, you know, chemistry, because Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt had insane chemistry in this movie, um, I would definitely recommend this movie. And so does uh, John over here. Yeah, two two thumbs up from both yeah, of us. Yeah, 100%. So this is definitely going to finish in my top 10 of the year list. Probably in yeah, the top five yeah. by the time it's all said and 100%. done. 100%. Um, so go watch it and stay tuned because next week we're going to be uh, talking about Hobbs and Shaw, which I'm probably more excited about than John is, honestly. I'm not really a Fast and Furious fan, but um, I'm going to watch it. I see that the movie's getting good Bro, reviews. 77% on so, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, 70, that's actually nuts. So I'm going to I'm gonna go see the movie and uh, I'll give my opinion next yeah, week. Yeah, definitely. So. so stay tuned, guys, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Oh, and also follow us on Twitter, Inside Backlot on Twitter. Uh, there we tweet out a bunch of, you know, film news and stuff that's going on in the film circle. And uh, basically when we're going to go live and stuff on podcasts. So definitely give us a follow there. Right. Um, thank you guys. Peace. <laughs>